Amen. How many is glad that he's our living hope? Amen. Amen. This morning, kind of feeling like a little bit like deja vu. Uh, it's my first time doing the two services, so it's a little different. But we talked about uh, the book of Proverbs throughout this week. We're in a series of that, and we're going to continue that this morning. And we're going to look at the, um, the idea of the power of our words. And we see this throughout the books of Proverbs, and it instructs us about how powerful our words can be. When I started preparing for this sermon, I started to think about an example of moments that, that somebody was able to influence somebody with their words. And I began to think of different movies and different things that, that I had remembered throughout the time. And how many have seen the movie Facing the Giants? It's a lot more the first time. So they did this movie, it's a football movie, and it's, it's faith-based, and there's a part, that's my favorite part of the movie, that this coach brings out one of his players, one that had been speaking discouragement, we're going to lose, we don't have what it takes to beat this team, and, and he has him get on all fours. He has another player get on his back. And as he, the, the idea was to see how far he can crawl the, uh, on the football field with this player on his back. And the whole time, the, the guy's telling, the, the player's telling the coach, it's too hard, I can't go any further. It's too hard, I got, I'm going to give up. It's too hard, I can't press through. And each time that coach is able to say things, you're not a quitter. You can go further. You can do this. And he's encouraging him with his words. And then by the end, I hate to run the movie for those that haven't seen it. He's able to go the entire length of the football field. His words was able to encourage that player and speak to that player's life and give him the determination and give him the influence that he needed to make it to the finish line. I think of the movie Braveheart and the, the great speech that, that, that happened in that, in that movie where he was able to convince a whole group of men, a whole army, that most likely they was going to die, but they were going to fight for what they believed in. Even though that they was scared and they had danger that was happening in their life, his influence of his words, the power behind his words was able to convince them to do something extraordinary. You see, our words are powerful and that power comes from God. The power comes from God and we, we know that because we was made in his image. He made us and formed us in his image and, and we know that when he was able to speak, he spoke everything into existence. My first key thought this morning is God made us a speaking being of influence. He, he, when he created us, he made us a speaking being of influence saying, I want you to speak as I speak. I want you to create like I create. I want you to shape people's lives. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be able to speak with great influence over your own life and around the people or the people around you and into their lives. This is how God created the earth by speaking it into existence. But the cool part about this and that we see in Genesis is that he invites Adam into this creation process. Genesis 2 and 19 says, so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sea. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose name for each one of them. 
We see that he invites Adam into the creation process. As he was beginning to create these animals, he was allowing Adam to name them. So with the power of Adam's words, when he spoke and said, this is now a bird, we now forever know it as a bird. When he spoke it as as any other animal, now that power of his words, now that animal's name exists and and the animal, uh, the labeling and the characteristics all came from speaking of Adam. He did this to give, to get Adam accustomed to speaking things into existence. He wanted us to be able to be fruitful and punish the earth. To go out, he wanted Adam to go outside of the garden and to continue to create. But the problem that we all know the story that mankind failed. Even though that we failed, we did not lose our influence. There's still power behind our words. However, our words can be contaminated. Our influence can be contaminated. We begin to use our words more than just speaking things or creating life, but to be able to speak death or destruction. Proverbs 18 and 21 says this. The tongue can bring death or life to those who love. To talk will reap the consequence. What this is saying, and one of the things I find interesting is we got two options with our words. We can speak life, we can speak positivity, we can speak however you want to word it, or the opposite of that, death, destruction, negativity. And, and what's so funny about this scripture is if you notice the way Solomon wrote it, he wrote death first, death or life. It's like Solomon was saying that the tendencies of man is more destructive with their words than constructive. James says that that our words and the tongue is like a fire. And we know that fire can be very destructive. Even a small flame, even a spark can create something to be even greater and, and cause damage. I was telling a story earlier about how when I started preparing for this sermon I realized as a small kid that I had a problem with fire and that I enjoyed catching things on fire. I told a story of me and my brother. We went to outside of my grandparents' house, and uh, I probably was seven years old, which would made Josh five years old. And we had stolen a lighter out of my grandmother's cabinet and began to light leaves and sticks and stuff on fire and just put it out real quick. But we enjoyed doing that. And when I thought I had put the fire out, I had threw one of the sticks over to the side and I caught the whole shrubs on the side of my grandmother's house on fire. So I had to quickly learn at a very young age how to grab a water hose of me and my five-year-old brother putting out a fire before our mama would see that we caught the bushes on fire. You go a little bit further, and I still had this problem in middle school. Me and my older sister, we constantly battled. There was two years between us, and mom and dad could never learn their lesson of not leaving us home alone to kill each other. And we always had this battle of who was in charge. And I decided we was cleaning. We had company coming over. You know, the whole spill parents do. This house better be spotless when we get back, blah, blah, blah. So I decided I'm going to light a candle to make it smell good. I grabbed that lighter, and my sister Amanda says, you're not supposed to be playing with that. You're not supposed to be having that when mom and dad's not here. And my full intentions was just to light the candle. But now I had to prove a point to Amanda that she was not my boss and that I, had, I was going to do what I wanted to do. So I decided to take a napkin out of our 
our um, lunch. We had McDonald's there without the paper bag. I lift the end of the fire, and I'm just looking at her like that, you know. Well, then the whole napkin engulfs in flames. So I throw it down into the bag of McDonald's, the paper bag of McDonald's. It engulfs into flames. So I throw the bag of burning food into a laundry basket. All the laundry engulfs into flames, melts the basket. And as I told them, even my parents still today still has that basket. You see the burnt metal plastic around it. But it got out of control really quickly. We see these things, and, and we all have to be sometimes these things that get stuck in our head that people and the words that people have used would get a hold of them, and that either as life speaking or constructive, but they're constantly with us. I see examples of teachers that seen past certain situations of mine in school, seen something different, good Christian teachers that was able to kind of, you know, quietly take me out in the hall and saying, there's something special inside of you. You know what I'm talking about. I see, what, I see the calling of God in you. I, you know, and they was able to speak life into me. They was able to encourage me when I was going through something in school. They seen past things that I was struggling with in school and seen more and encouraged me with words of encouragement. I also had, on the other hand, teachers that wasn't so nice. I remember one in particular that even at one time, politely though, called me stupid. But those things also stick with me. Those words also have stuck in my head and, and, and played. We all have something, whether it be words of encouragement, words of destruction that sticks with us. This is why we must be mindful of how we speak. We should always keep this scripture in mind. First Peter 4 and 11 says this. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Meaning God given us the ability to speak. That's a gift that God gave us that we need to do so as if he, him himself is speaking through us. And that's something we need to be mindful of is our language, is our words, is the, uh, our intent behind our words glorifying God. Is it speaking as if God was speaking into someone else's life? We must be mindful just because there's power in our words. There's influence in our words. This is why we have to be mindful and not just mindful of, of, of the power but which power you're using. As I mentioned in the scripture before, it says we have the power either life or death. Either way, our, our, our words are going to be powerful. If we speak life, there's power behind it. If we speak death, there's also power behind it. We have to be able to speak as if God is speaking to us is always life-giving because we know that God does not speak death, does not speak darkness. So if we are speaking things of those nature, we know it's not as God is speaking. John 6 and 63 says this, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and of life. Jesus is saying here that over your, I want you to be able to speak life over your own life, over your circumstance, over your children, over your family, over your job, your future, he wants you to speak as if he's speaking to change the atmosphere of your situation. So there's a couple of things this morning that I think if we was able to kind of wrap ourselves around and see that we are able to change our words and the way we speak. The first thing is let our words be true. We must be mindful of the words that we say are true. 
Proverbs 16 and 28 says this. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer speaks, or a whisperer separates the best of friends. Whisperers separate. So it's not talking about like the volume, a whisper, even though that's the way it seems to happen most times that when you see people whispering or, or they're talking about somebody or gossiping, they do it in a low key of what we would call a whisper. But what this mainly is talking about is the intent of the word. The gossip and the slander or the whisper be, begins to peel and separate God-ordained relationships, God-ordained callings, God-ordained things that he's called you to do and callings in your life. The whisper separate faith and friends. Growing up in church, we see this all the time and we, we see where people would get their feelings hurt or people would not get what they want in church and they begin to badmouth the church. They begin to talk against it and, and talk about how the church is not living up to its potential and that they say they're a church that loves people, but they wouldn't do this for me. And they begin to try to separate you from your church. They begin to try to separate the consequences or, or, or the, the, uh, the vision of what the church says that they are. They try to discredit who we are as a church. We see this when people say they don't believe in God. You know, how many times have we heard, I, I don't believe because I prayed for this. My dad was sick and I, I prayed and, and asked for a healing and it didn't happen. So what kind of God would allow these things to happen? Those kind of whispers and those kind of lies is just trying to separate themselves. It's the enemy using those things to separate them from having a relationship with God, to plant seeds and people that's listening to those lies to separate them from God as well. My dad growing up, my grandfather, he was, a, he was really a great grandfather to us. He's a good man. He was raised a little harsh. He was really poor and um, he would say stuff to his kids and then the vicious cycle continued and my grandfather said the same thing to my dad. And thankfully, dad never said this thing to us and he was able to speak life into us and encouragement, but he would tell us the things that his father had said to him. And there's a saying that my dad continues to tell us and would remind us that he would always say, you was born to nobody and you will die a nobody. Because that's something that was in, implanted into his head that was words and lies, destructive words that was planted inside of him as a, as a young child. Times that he has even believed those things. And I've watched even the times since I've been born, sometimes those words come back and, and dad happened to fight through and happened to try to go and, and, and discredit the enemy's lies of the, of the things and the lies that he, people have spoken to his lives. Whispers are a counterfeit to God's still small voice. They try to become God's still small voice. Proverbs 18 and 8 says this. The words of a talebearer or whisperer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Now, when it's talking about the innermost parts of the belly, that's right there is where we felt the unction of God when we was convicted to come for salvation. That's the part where the Spirit of God is supposed to dwell and live and, 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 and show us and to direct us. And when we're thinking of, of moving into a situation or when God's trying to move upon us, that's where we feel him. 
when we was able to get to that point of conviction and, and God was calling us to salvation, that's where we felt his presence. That's where we, down in the most deepest parts of our soul was when we know and where God was beginning to work in us. So naturally, the enemy tries to use that. That is exactly why the enemy wants to use people's words to lodge into those spots. The devil wants to counterfeit that still small voice of God. So that when we hear the things that, that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never be successful, you'll never find happiness, you'll never find joy, you'll never be able to break the yoke of anxiety and depression to find your freedom. When we hear those things coming from that same spot and to that innermost parts of our soul, we believe to think that that's God. But as we mentioned earlier, God cannot speak Death. He does not speak death. He does not speak destruction. So we know those things are nothing but a lie of the enemy. We need to realize that whispers are powerful. They separate us from, from God and from our marriages and friendships and, and God-ordained relationships, from giving, God-given callings. Whispers are an evil force. So when we listen to words or we speak words, we need to make sure that our words are true. We also need to make sure that we let our words be few. How many find themselves in situations where you've had to put your foot in your mouth? Yeah, you find yourself saying too much, right? I was telling a story earlier that if you don't know me very well, I, I have a tendency to make fun of people. <laughs> I have a tendency of, of joking and cutting up. I like to laugh. I like to, in a playful way, make fun and, you know, and I was in the youth group, and we had went to a youth revival, and we was on our way back. And there was a girl in our youth group that her parents never seemed to think they did wrong. They was very sheltered, very perfect. And she was getting ready to go into high school. And she was um, starting to find interest in boys, and you know, she's starting to do all these things that her parents weren't too excited about. And her dad had a certain way that he talked. So I began, we was talking about that on the way home, and I began to mimic her dad. Begin to talk, I mean, spot on, you would think it was him talking. And I was so proud of this moment. I'm looking around, no one's laughing. I'm thinking, okay, they're not getting it. This is spot on. I don't know what's wrong with them. I am spot on this person. So I do it a little bit more and a little bit more. Still silence. And my friend finally reached around and touched me on the knee and said, dude, stop. My first thought was, did everybody get saved at this youth rally? What's going on? Everybody's now sanctified. They're not going to laugh at my jokes. And then I realized her dad was driving the church van we was in. I had completely forgot that her dad was there. He was in the same van he was driving, and I could feel this hot feeling going up my neck, into my ears. I had to insert my foot into my mouth. There was dead silence, and all the dad said was, Interesting. No one spoke for miles, but I had said way too much. Ecclesiastes 5 and 2 says, Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth, so let your words be few. We see this example all the time throughout the Bible, but we see it 
Um, one of the best examples, I think, is in Peter. Peter had to learn the lesson that he constantly was making promises he couldn't keep. Expectations that he couldn't go through and, or couldn't reach. And he would say things like, I will die with you. And Jesus was constantly having to correct him or rebuke him and tell him to not make promises and say words that he had no intentions or intentions that he could not follow through with. We've heard it growing up our entire lives that let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. And then Jesus goes to say, because anything else can bring forth evil. And that evil he's referring to is doubt, because the greatest evil is doubt. So if we don't allow us to take a, a, straight, a straight, straight stand of our yeses being yes or our noes being no, we leave room for ourselves to doubt. We leave room for ourselves to doubt what God can do, what God has called us to do. It leaves others to doubt whether we're being legitimate or not. We must keep it simple. Key thought for this is our conversations influence our credibility. Listen, especially now more than ever, the world's looking at the church for credibility. If nothing else, for spite. They know we believe certain things and that we say certain things that we believe in, and they're looking to see if we truly believe what we say. They're looking to see if we're truly living out the word of God of love, to love thy neighbor in every situation. They're watching us to see if we are really being what we always, what are we always called? Hypocrites. They're trying to find if, if what we believe in and what we're preaching and teaching is actually credible. See, and, and God can forgive and forget, but man never does. We might be able to say, I forgive you for doing this to me. I forgive you for this happening. But as soon as that person makes a mistake, as soon as that person don't come through again, we go back and we remember every single time they let us down. Even though that the times that we've been there for them, the times that we've, we've supported them are probably outweighed drastically the times we've let them down, they will still always remember the times that we let them down. But we've got to remember to be good for our word. We should be people of our words because our credibility relies on it. Let our words be few. Next, we need to let our words be seasoned. Don't just measure the sum of your words, but also the seasoning of your words. Colossians 4 and 6 says this. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's really not about the answer of what you're saying, but how it's received. The example that I gave earlier was first time I went to Brittany's mom and dad's house, we first started dating. Her mom wanted to cook me dinner. And my mother-in-law, she likes to cook, and she, you know, she cooks all the time. It's always, they never hardly ever eat out. Everything's homemade. Um, but I was always raised that you don't re-salt people's food that you don't know because it could offend them. My parents didn't care. If something needed salt or pepper, you can go ahead and add it to it. But if you was out somewhere and you didn't know them, we was taught you don't re-salt it. 
because it could offend them. They think that their cooking's not good enough. So what I didn't know is that my father-in-law has a heart condition, and she's telling me all this stuff. She's made fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, corn, green beans, all the good stuff. And I go to sit down and eat, and not one bit of it had salt. And to me, if you know me very much, I like to cook, and, and I'm passionate about cooking sometimes, um, and it has to have all the right ingredients. We had a staff retreat, and I sent JW out in a blizzard for hot sauce because I, it needed hot sauce. And so it's almost a sin to me for someone not to cook with salt. And I suffered through, and I ate that food that had no flavor. And I got home, and my mom and dad was asking how I liked her family and what we had for dinner. And I talked to dad, and he, I told him everything we had. And he said, well, that sounds great. I said, you would think so. See, when you list everything that they had, if I tell you fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, everybody's already checked out. They're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about how good that sounds, but it wasn't received well. Now I don't worry about offending her at all. I salt it every time. I, I do other things to offend her besides that. But we, we got to understand that it's not about the content of what we make or what we say. It's not the words of what we're saying to our family that's important. Or we, when we speak on, on, to our children or over our children or, or to our family or our coworkers, it's important what we're saying, but it's nowhere near as important as how they receive it. Because at the end of the day, you can, I can stand up here as a, as a minister and, and, and talk about Scripture and, and say all these words, but if you don't receive the message, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And everything that, when we preach God's Word, it's important, and the words that we say are important, but it's how you receive it and how you receive our words that makes it important. I've seen this acronym that breaks down salt. And S is for soft. A soft answer turns away anger. Proverbs 15 and 1. We want people to receive what we have to say. We can be strong. We can be to the point. We can say what we need to say and say it with love and be soft about it. We don't have to be harsh or say it with anger. How many of you in here has worked for somebody that was angry all the time or that, that, that has been angry and they, they come and approach you with this tyrant kind of attitude of you will do it as I say and just come approach you just with anger and resentment? I've worked for both types. I've had managers and that treated me like that, and when they have done something wrong or they needed something corrected, they come and they scream and they yell and they, they throw stuff and you should know better and they just you know, degrade you. And I've had managers that said, hey, listen, this is what you're doing. This is what you need to change. No big deal. Just try to do better in the future. And I'm able to receive that because it's done softly. The other guy... It creates resentment. It created anger inside of me. It created me not to even resent my job and not want to work there. But somebody that's able to speak to you softly and tell you and correct you, you are able to receive it. A, acceptable. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you. Psalms 19 and 4. Every time you see the word acceptable in the Bible, it has to do with sacrifice. 
We first see the first example of sacrifice in Genesis during Cain and Abel's um, offerings that they presented God and the sacrifices they made for God. And if you know the story, it said God rejected Cain's offering because he didn't put any time into it. He didn't put any respect in it. It wasn't part of his fresh fruits and his first fruits. It just, he threw it all together. He didn't put any kind of respect or, or any kind of, or of consideration to God. We need to be able to talk to each other in acceptable matter with respect. We need to be able to talk to each other and not talk down to one another. And if you're wondering what I'm saying and what I'm talking about, the opposite of today. Today, our world is spewing hate and discord and, 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 and not being united and, and hatred. We got a, a mentality of if we disagree, then we're demonizing the other party. We got to the point that if we don't see eye to eye, then there's hatred that separates us. It's no longer a time of just being able to disagree on, on certain things. It's if you don't agree together, then you're the enemy. We gotta be able to find our ways to be able to talk to people with respect. Talk to people that are not like us. Talk to people that isn't, that don't think the same way that we think. We gotta be able to show respect in our words. Our words must be seasoned with salt that's soft and acceptable. L, life-giving. The words of a righteous are life-giving well. Proverbs 10 and, 10, or 10 and 11. We can't condemn ourselves. We can't condemn other people. God convicts and don't condemn. There's a huge difference there. He's wanting you to speak life into them. Tell somebody about the love of Jesus and that, that there's someone that cares for him. Tell them about the message and why Jesus came to this earth. Tell them that their sin can be forgiven, that they can live a life of freedom instead of bondage and, and enslaved to sin. Be life-giving instead of life-taking. Y'all ever been around somebody that is so negative all the time? That the fact that you see them coming and you try to go a different direction because you know out just out of habit, you're going to say, hey, how you doing? And as soon as you say that, they're going to unleash and they're going to tell you exactly how bad they are doing, how bad their life really is and how awful things are going in their lives. So it makes us want to even get away from these type of people. We have to be positive. We have to be life-giving into our own lives and to those around us. And then the last one, T, truthful. We must speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4 and 15. As a pastor, when we get up here, one thing that we have to do is always tell the truth. Anytime we're speaking to anyone and we're giving the message of God, it has to be the truth in love. We can't tell people what they want to hear, but then we need to be able to tell them what they need to hear. We need to tell them in love that you need Jesus. I have friends that, that live different lifestyles and they come to me with the same things over and over again lots of times and they have the same problems and my response every single time is you need Jesus. When you see yourself going through these things, you can't sugarcoat things and you can't tell them that everything's gonna be okay because when they live outside of what the Bible says, when they live a sinful life, there is no answer besides you need Jesus. 
We gotta let him know in love that there's a real heaven and a real hell. We gotta say with softness and with respect are acceptable life and truth. We remember our words being seasoned with salt and we remember those things. We can see God do miraculous things in our own lives and those around us. Then lastly, we gotta let our hearts be renewed. So you can't change your words until your heart is healed. You might think that, you know, I've talked about let your words be truthful, let your words be few, let your words, and this has nothing to do with your words, you would think, but the heart has everything to do with your words. People that has rejected, has been rejected in their lives are always going to be angry. People that's been betrayed by somebody they love will always be critical, paranoid, standoffish. Jesus said that the heart is where the source of your words come from. Luke 6 and 45 says this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, you see that the things that is coming out of our mouth is the very thing that's inside of us. And I think lots of times we don't realize that when we're speaking, and we're speaking negative, we're speaking death instead of life. We're seeing the negative and everything, and you know what? I'm not going to be ever be different. I'm never going to change. I'm never going to get out of this circumstance. I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to have joy in my life. And we say these things, that's because there's wounds inside of us that's not been healed. We still have bitterness of some sort in our heart, or we, we still have anger or hatred or something that's causing us to spew these words of death. See, when our heart is healed, the bitterness is gone. Rejection is gone. The wounds that, of whatever your situation are healed. My last key thought. Many of our words come from our wounds. We might not even realize why we believe what we believe about ourselves. We might not even realize why we wake up in the morning and see the glass half empty. But let me tell you one thing, it's not what God intended for your life. If you find yourself living a life like this where you're seeing negative things in your life and the lives around you, you feel like that you can't get out of the rut that you're in and you continue to speak negative thoughts, there's something in your heart that needs to be changed. I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. And I, I talked about it last time. You know, God wants us to heal our hearts so we can be a healing agent to a hurting world. He wants you to be transformed. He wants your heart to be healed. He wants your vocabulary to change and your words to change so you can speak life into other people. Look around our world is hurting. Our world is full of hurting individuals. 
There's hatred and there's, there's darkness and there's evil that's lurking around in our world today. And God has created us in his image. God has created us to be able to look into their lives and speak life into them, to speak hope, to speak joy, to speak, to speak internal life to them. To, to, but in order to do so, we have to be transformed ourselves. We got to be allowed to, or allow the healing process of God to change our hearts, renew our hearts, that we are able to live in his joy, in his life-giving uh, speech and vocabulary. We got to be able to recognize those whispers of the enemy. We got to be able to, to look back and let our words be true, let our words be few, and let it be seasoned with salt that we're speaking life over ourselves, over our family, over our jobs. God wants to heal our hearts so we can help those that are hurting because there's power in our tongue. You stand with me this morning. One thing we have to realize is there's two different ways to look at this renewing of your heart. <clears throat> One, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, you never asked him to forgive you of your sins. You never allowed him in to give you salvation, to heal your heart, to transform you. You need to do so. Because everything that I've talked about is impossible without having Jesus as your savior. It's impossible without being able to have God and his spirit direct you and lead you throughout your life. But one thing I feel like, and we talked about this in our, in our life group, sometimes as Christians, we witness to people or we get up here and preach and we talk about the things that God can do for you. We talk about how once you turn your life over to God, how you get somebody that is gonna never leave you or forsake you. You get somebody that brings peace and joy and those are all things, listen, that's true. However, when you, the closer you get to the will of God, the closer you get to start changing things in your life, the more you'll be fought. And there's some times that we get up here and we pray and we ask God to forgive us of our sins, but we still leave with some of those wounds in our heart. And we find ourselves still speaking death over our lives, still speaking destruction over our lives and those around us. Following, finding ourselves listening to those whispers of the enemy. So this morning, I wanna encourage you to ask God to reveal those things to you. Whether you are just asking today for God to forgive you and, and, and to come into your heart and, and receiving salvation, or you're a veteran Christian of 40 years, we all have things that needs to be renewed. We all have things that can be refreshed. There's times that we need to be able to speak life. We have the power. God has given us the power to speak things into existence. A better life for ourselves, happiness, joy, peace, all those things that we look for. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence that we feel today, God. Lord, I ask that you just be able to mend our hearts. 
God, let the, the haunting words of, of death that's been spoken into our lives, whether it been from ourselves or those that have been involved in our lives, God, we ask that you, that you silence those whispers, God. Lord, let us be able to hear your voice. Let us be able to know that, that you are that you created us, God, in your image, Lord. And what a great honor that, how can we look and we can't deny, Lord, that we are something, that we are, that we are more than, than just the, the junk that we put on ourselves, God, because we was created in your image with a purpose, God. That when you call us, Lord, you call us into to ministry, you call us into callings, Lord, that you don't create anything without a purpose. Lord, I ask that you help us today, God, find our purpose. God, help us today, Lord, to find our happiness. Or those that don't know you today, Lord, I ask that you just give them the boldness to speak out, to say that, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you. I need your salvation, God. I need your power of your Holy Spirit, God, to empower me, to heal my heart, to change my actions, God, to change my vocabulary, Lord. Lord, change me from being a death speaker, God, to a life speaker. Lord, I ask that that prayer be for all of us today, God. Heal us, mend us. Lord, I ask that you reveal today, God, scars and wounds that we might not even realize that we had. Mend them and heal them, God, to be able to, we can speak and talk like you. That we be able to speak life, God. That we leave here today with chains of bondage, of depression, of anxiety, God. Lifted from us by us speaking life and freedom into our lives today. Lord, we thank you for this gift, the gift of speaking, Lord. We thank you, God, for your empowerment of your Holy Spirit, God. I speak life to everybody standing here today, God. Lord, I ask that you transform their hearts, their minds, God. Begin to convict us and show us, Lord, when we, when we decide to, to maybe fall back into a form of negativity, God, or into a form of destruction behavior, God. Remind us of today. Remind us of this message, God, that we are able to speak life. In Jesus' name.